Hi, and a big welcome to another episode of Laughter and Lunges with your hosts, Catherine and Sarah. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. We would love it if you could rate, follow and share the podcast so that it can reach even more ears. Here's today's episode. Hello. Hey there, girlfriend. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm delightful, thank you. All the better for seeing your lovely little face we were talking about upregulation, weren't we before we, we were on our call before this saying we that were. sometimes you feel like you need to upregulate and do some push-ups to kind of get you uh, psyched and ready to go i remember in like my old job my old line manager made me and like a group of my colleagues in a team meeting do that but it was with a breathing exercise before it so you you basically just got us to like hyperventilate before and then got us to do as many push-ups as we could and then we all just stood up and we were really lightheaded and he was like so how do you feel are you ready for this meeting and we're all just like "Uh." (laughs) we actually feel like we need to go and lie down or like put our head between our legs now thank you (laughs) yeah (laughs) what were we meeting about again Oh man, that's mad. Like I've done that with people before, almost like to acclimatize to those, um, like the physical symptoms that you can get when you feel like panicky, but definitely not to try and help someone like upregulate. Sounds a bit caffeine. (laughs) Or creatine or something. After you, friend, after you. Oh gosh. Well, it's Friday. We're here for a Q&A and we have loads of amazing questions, don't we? Oh, we do. We were just saying that again. I love that. We're like, we're always like, we were just saying before we came on the live, um, but we were just how many awesome questions we had. And it is great. Bonjour. Bonjour. I've, um, after our, was it our last live, we were talking about pull-ups, weren't we? Yes. I started, it, it um, inspired me to start doing pull-ups again in my training sessions because I've been avoiding them for a long time just because I started to find them difficult again because I hadn't done them enough. I had a bit of a sore elbow. I was making some excuses, but I've incorporated them into my pool sessions now. So today, this morning was the second time this week I tried pull-ups. And you know what I have underestimated um, is, you know, scapula pull-ups, just the one where you hang and you pull your scaps down and back and like your chest up. They're good. And I feel like they're a really good um, cue to get you into the right position for a pull-up. Because you see a lot of people do pull-ups. And even just doing one pull-up with bad form is incredible effort in the first place. Oh <laughs> they're really God. difficult, right? Yeah, so difficult. So, so difficult. But I feel like the the scap pull really helps you like tighten up your form. And if you're using the right form with like your chest kind of more forward and not roll like rolled and rounded shoulders and no hunching, it's actually better. And I'm not going to say easier, but like having that right form means you're using the stronger muscles rather than like just trying to use your traps to do a pull up with. Oh, mad. Yeah. I know like when I, when I, in my glory days of pull ups during <laughs> lockdown, when I injured myself because I just overdid it after getting the 10 but I had those shoulder problems and for me getting back into them afterwards I'm very much focused on doing scapular pull-ups and I notice when I get stronger in those the movement is a lot smoother whereas when I'm 
not focusing so much on that and I'm more going for the ego because I want to do what I could do before I really notice how like one of my shoulders pulls out to kind of help me initiate the movement whereas focusing on that initial pull phase is um yeah really useful for keeping them both kind of working together as opposed to one like overcompensating so yeah it's a really good thing to add in I think when you're starting out almost like just focusing on nailing the movement I think is so helpful as opposed to like ego lifting which is difficult mm -hmm. we fall foul of it too oh yeah all the absolutely. time all the time <laughs> <laughs> and I think with the with the scat pulls it really helps to like build up the technique and the strength in the very bottom part of the pull-up yes which is often the hardest part like it's that initiation like halfway up to all the way up is probably the easiest part of a pull-up but it's the bottom phase and what you often see people doing is not extending all the way down and straightening their arms fully in the bottom phase they're never really working that and then you bring bands into the equation mm. and the band is more stretched to the bottom so it's actually giving you the most assistance at the bottom of the pull-up where you it's actually like the hardest and where you need to be kind of challenging yourself the most um so yeah if anyone is listening and you're training pull-ups and you're wanting to get better incorporate some even just like two sets of five two sets of six scap pulls at the beginning before you start doing your pull-ups give yourself a little rest in between as if they're like a proper set like see see if that helps it really does like help you switch on your lats i think definitely yeah i love it and i, I think often that's when I'm training pull-ups more consistently, I will often do them from that dead hang position because it's the bit we don't like, isn't it? Is that initial sort of pull, but getting stronger, as you've said, in that like bottom position is so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. Much love for the pull-ups. Oh, yeah, it's a love-hate for me, pull-ups. I do love them, but I think they're one of the most difficult exercises in the gym. There's like no hiding, is there? You can't really <laughs> cheat them too much. You can't really cheat them. Someone needs to design a pull-up machine that's like declined, like not declined. It's like uh, in the floor. You have to like oh, go down some steps to get one. to it. It's like a sunken one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'm trying to get the questions up on my phone and I realised oh. I'd switched the internet off on my phone. Um, I have them, friends, so I can hit you with them if you want. Oh, you're legend. Go for it. Okay, so the first we have is, my weight was trending down and the past two days it shot up again, which is frustrating. Trying to not let it bother me, even though it is. My fat is proving hard to shift. Have I broken myself with lack of consistency? I'm definitely in a deficit, but it's just not shifting. Still concentrating on winning each day, but it is very annoying. And one thing I would say from this question is, <clears throat> excuse me, is I can I can sense the annoyance because there's a lot of exclamation marks in this one. So feel your pain on this. I also could sense the frustration coming from this one when I was reading it. And I think to begin with, I think asking yourself, is weighing yourself right now actually serving you? Is it something that you may need to step away from for a while? Stepping away from weighing yourself doesn't mean that you're not going to make fat loss progress. 
it just means you're not looking at the outcome for a little while or one of the many different outcomes that we can measure and that's the other thing that I was going to say is it's one of many outcomes that helps us identify over time whether or not fat loss is happening so if this is the only thing that you're looking at as an outcome are you painting like an accurate enough picture with just this or do we need to be looking at at other bits of data as well as the scales that's my first uh bit of input there what do you think sarah yeah i completely agree with with what you've said there about maybe shifting our focus slightly from purely on to the scales because focusing more so on those actions that we're taking like you've said there about you know that you're in a you're a deficit but it's not shifting well if we know that we're definitely in a deficit then those kind of short-term fluctuations on the scale aren't so important like we know that there's so many factors that can influence that number on the scales from like our hormones sleep stress like water retention whether in you know one of Catherine's favorite things whether we've been for a jobby that kind of thing can really impact that number on the scales and it can be really useful to focus more so on those things that we're doing so that consistency are we taking consistent actions towards that goal as opposed to focusing solely as Catherine says on that like outcome measure because we can't really change that number by obsessing over it it's those actions that we take that will get us closer to that goal as well and so by continuing to do those things and recognizing okay well I'm ticking these boxes I know that I'm doing these actions and that will get me closer to that what's going to be more helpful continuing to do that or continuing to get frustrated about our number mm -hmm. the other thing that like I wanted to point out from this is that you were saying this person that's asked this question not you Sarah is that you said that your weight was trending down and that the past two days it shot up again and that's just another example of what Sarah had mentioned there about fluctuation scale weight fluctuations for many many reasons other than changes in your body composition so like all those different reasons that Sarah had reeled off I'm not going to reel them off again what what might be a useful and rational reminder for you is if you go back into the kahunas app you go to the vault there's a file in the vault can't remember the exact name of it it's something to do with it says like why the scales fluctuate or why your scale weight goes up and down i can't remember the name of the file exactly i think sarah might be trying to have a look to find it but have a little read of that as a reminder of all the many factors that will impact scale weight because scale, we know that scale weight doesn't just measure changes in your body composition there are so many things going on so that's another thing acknowledge the fact that it had been trending down i don't know how long necessarily you mean by like that for a while but two days in the grand scheme of things is nothing and we're always going to have points in time where the scales fluctuate up yet you're not a robot and you're also not alone in that like if I were to go and weigh myself every single day and am in a deficit, I will see my weight trending down. But I will also see fluctuations up. I'm not going to get away from that. Nobody will be able to get away from that. It's going to happen to everybody. And it's it is frustrating. And I think acknowledging that it happens is part of like the accepting of it and feeling less frustrated with it. 
Yeah, agreed. That resource, by the way, is called Things That Impact Scale Weight. It is what it says on the tin. But yeah, I completely agree with that about it is almost like another part of the process. And we always say, you know, the phrase kind of trust the process. But I think that if you if you know that you're doing those actions, back yourself and be confident in the fact that you are doing those things that will tick those boxes. That means in time you will see that number change as well. But I guess like obsessing solely over that number when it can be impacted by so many things, maybe questioning whether, as Catherine said, I guess at the beginning, whether that's a helpful tool maybe to be using at the moment or using as regularly, just something more so to reflect on. But yeah, having that acceptance that it is a part of the process and it doesn't, again, say anything about you, your worth or even how successful you are being in this process at the moment, because we're looking at a short-term fluctuation. Amen. Amazing. Do you want the next question, C, to the kizzle? Let's go for it. So I've been struggling to recover from my gym sessions. Nutrition, good. Sleep, good. Sorry, just thinking of Joey's trifle there, generally, but just very sore. Oh, I'm planning on dropping the sessions to two to three sets instead of three to four and attempt to go five days on average by looping through push, legs, pull, rest, push, legs, pull, rest, etc. So sometimes five, sometimes six. Not sure if this will be sustainable with this many sessions as per my diary, but willing to give it a go or a shot. I, I changed the word. This way, I think it allows me to train hard, shorter sessions and recover better. So volume should still be high. I've done the last two sessions this way and it seems okay so far. Thoughts? Can I just say, I love the fact that this person has been listening about listening to us talking about volume and considering making these like implementing these changes knowing the impact that the changes will have on volume and what should they do so that they don't um reduce the volume okay i'm going to do shorter sessions but i'm going to do them more frequently and i think that's incredible i just wanted to say that yeah doth my cap <laughs> i think yeah it's a, i think you're right i think there's a lot of thought that's already gone into this question in terms of what might be useful and also that's what i love because even within this it's almost there's that mindset of this is a bit of an experiment to see how i respond to this and how i feel and i think with this person as well from memory they're returning from a little bit of time out too so it might be that we're noticing the doms a little bit more at this stage anyway because of that return to exercise but in terms of what's been suggest, sh suggested or suggested, <laughs> easy for me to say, then I think if recovery is better, then for me, I can't see any reason not to experiment and see if this is something that will be helpful. I'd also be interested to know if there's any particular sessions that are triggering more soreness than others, because maybe there's something there in terms of the exercise selection potentially within those workouts might be causing a bit more soreness. I mean, with the push-pull leg split, sometimes because there's quite an upper body focus, obviously shoulders and um, 
I know in particular in these workouts, we're doing buys and tries pretty much on both the push and pull sessions. So that might be contributing to soreness as well. So that might be something for us to look at too. But generally with that setup that you've said, I think it's a great little experiment. Totally. And even just off the back of what you said there, if you're no, there might be certain sessions that you notice more soreness or that you're finding it harder to, to recover from, but there might also be certain muscle groups that you're finding are taking a bit longer to recover. And that might be either a genetic component or it might be that you're actually putting in more work in those muscle groups. Mm. Like there's, there's like, I think approaching this from a place of being curious about it and like Sarah said treating it as a bit of an experiment is really useful so I think what you've already suggested here let's roll with that for at least two to four weeks be consistent with that for two to four weeks and we can review it after then and and see how you feel um and I think it's particularly important to because this person's coming back from having an injury and is dealing with a couple of little niggles is adapting the workouts based on how you're feeling coming into them. So, you know, keep an eye on those niggles, ask yourself how they're feeling before you go into a session and adapt things. If you need to ask us, if you're not quite sure on any of the adaptions. Um, but I, I agree with your approach here. Let's give it a shot and see how you feel. Yeah. And keep us posted. Definitely keep us posted how that goes mm -hmm. and how you find in it. Really intrigued. Yeah. Good luck. Awesome. So next question, ensuring step count is met. Any tips on doing this at home would help? YouTube videos, perhaps, or any other strategies? One that I always love and I get slaughtered for it, but I'm going to say anyway, is, um, you know, when you're putting the laundry away, you can put like, if you're, if you're doing some housework anyway, and you maybe listen to a podcast, put one item of clothing away at a time like literally <laughs> you're probably listening but like who the hell has time for that but if you're going to be like stood in your living room doing like a youtube video anyway or you maybe don't enjoy doing that it's like another idea especially if you have stairs in your house for example i don't i live in a flat so you don't really have to walk very far to get from one room to another but if you're you know taking one pair of pants like up the steps the stairs at a time then why not so that's that's one of my ideas <laughs> Yeah, I love that because for me, just that would be a nightmare because that would be a barrier to me doing my like ironing or doing something like that. You just wouldn't have any clean clothes. It just drives me like mad as it is. So, but it is a really useful tool. Like you said, if there, if something else you wouldn't enjoy and actually you might really enjoy doing that as you do, Catherine. So I think it's a, it is a really good tool. And I was thinking of something here as well, which sounds like, I live in a mansion or something and I really don't but almost I'd always if you've got like a couple of toilets I'd always go Lady to Cannon <laughs> well I did when I lived in a townhouse and obviously working from home I'd go to the the toilet on the furthest floor away from me so if I was on the on the top floor I'd go down to to the ground floor to use I'd the go toilet. to my 12th bathroom <laughs> <laughs> after I'd found it again and remembered where it was because the house was that big um and then i realized little... there was no toilet roll <laughs> <laughs> and then i i took a sheet off one at a time and walked up and down the stairs <laughs> oh no oh sorry but sorry it is i think at home it is small wins like that can be helpful 
the one that always springs to mind for me is almost during lockdown there was so many people following the steps workouts on youtube not steps as in the band but you never know they might have actually done one too that where it was you know get x amount of steps in following this workout and it would be either like a dance workout or sort of step into music as you can tell i didn't do them but things like that can be quite useful too sharon's just said that she gets most of her steps in on house clean day so um oh dawn's with you that she does that too yes. on the putting one night see some people enjoy that but yeah even that like cleaning our steps with rick that sounds fit, familiar fit rick Fit it not Rick. Fit, maybe no maybe i thought it was called fit with rick but maybe it's steps with rick or maybe there's both maybe know. he branched out good old rick didn't miss a trick so i think <laughs> yeah cleaning even cleaning like making more of a thing of that like hoovering and stuff like that and um yeah putting some music dancing around the house anything that gets you up and gets you more active at home the other thing is kitchen like disco. um kitchen disco oh yeah having a wee dance a wee boogie whilst you're waiting for your dinner to cook in the oven um the other thing you could do is if you were willing to and it was worth investing a little bit of money into buying like a walking pad or a small treadmill if you have the space to put those things i think the good thing about walking pads is they're a little bit more storage friendly i mean i don't have one i've never had one so i can't properly comment on that but that's another option as well mm. and that might mean that you can walk on the walking pad i see people doing this and then i don't know how but then also answering their emails or like yeah. watching tv i would definitely fall off and hurt myself but that's that's another option yeah i think having almost little like exercise snacks like that's all the rage now isn't it calling it a snack but I think they actually did do research and it was in like exercise snacks but even doing that in terms of like getting up and walking so setting an alarm on your phone or like a timer to go off after maybe like 50 minutes or something and just doing a lap around the house and coming back then one you'll have a little bit of a break from whatever it is that you're doing but also getting those extra steps in and that bit of movement as well can be really useful doing even things like when you've got your boiling the kettle like moving when you're doing things like that so almost just adding in bits of movement when you're doing things that generally you might just stand waiting for the thing to happen whether it's a pot boiling or like a kettle boiling or something like that mm -hmm. yeah the exercise snack thing is a, a, like a really really good from a getting more steps and increasing your energy point of view but also a health point of view you're reducing the time that you're spent sedentary so you know if you're working from home and you're sat down for a long time or you're sat on the sofa for a couple of hours in the evening watching tv then it's all benefiting your health doing that even though it seems small it seems like quite unsexy doesn't it it mm. can make a big difference over time it massively adds up it really does are you laughing at dawn's comment yeah go through the menopause i often walk upstairs and forget why so have to go back down to remember what it was and sharon has just put a load of laughing faces i mean if you did that every time you were putting an item of laundry away imagine the steps there you go there'd just be socks lying around all over the place <laughs> that's why they always go missing yeah 
It's really but sad yet, when that happens. They just like lost their power. I hate that. I'd be mortified if that happened to me. I love my socks. <laughs> um, but I think it is that, isn't it? It's getting creative, really. Just just be creative with it. And as Catherine says, that less time spent sedentary is is really beneficial as well. So even if we're looking at it more from that aspect as opposed to I need to hit my step target, more of actually doing this is 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 useful for me for health benefits and um, that can be quite helpful as well let us know how you get on if you come up with some creative ideas yeah. share them in the group. definitely so we have but this wasn't a question but i thought it'd be a good discussion point for us on the podcast so this person says i've had a look at all the workouts and they're exciting go us but at the same time I'm apprehensive as I usually keep to the bits of the gym I know and there's stuff in there I'm just not sure how to superset in a gym environment I was a long time home workout person and finding my gym feet still which is awesome I think firstly as well like how awesome that this person has moved from like working out at home to going into the gym and I think it's going to be so normal when we're trying something different to feel apprehensive about it because it's different. It's not what we're used to. We might be venturing into a different part of the gym or using a different bit of kit. And we've talked about this a lot on this podcast about that feeling unsure of even when we go in sometimes still, we're unsure of how to use a different bit of kit or set something up. So it is completely, <laughs> sorry, I just, saw another comment in the chat um so it's completely normal to <laughs> what's a gorilla bumple <laughs> don't worry sharon that's not programmed for this individual i don't know what that is <laughs> there's gorilla rows in the empowered oh. workouts at the moment which have gone down quite a storm <laughs> Um, but they're not programmed into the original empowered innate workouts so I think that's the thing when you're trying something different it is gonna feel a little bit uncomfortable at first and that's okay and that's normal but with time and repetition it will get easier and I would say as well for this person in particular if there are certain exercises that feel a bit more daunting maybe than others then let us know and we can always offer swaps or we can change them up a little bit for the parts of the gym that you feel sort of most comfortable with as well mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree with all of that and I think the like it's okay to feel uncomfortable about doing these new things I'm just laughing because I can see you smiling but what you don't want to feel is completely overwhelmed to the point where it's like a a freeze like flight or freeze right you either just don't go or you don't know what to do so you just do what you're used to doing and that might be the, the same machines every single time but you could have a nice little mix of doing something that you're familiar with within that workout but then also incorporating some of the new stuff in there that you've maybe not done before or some of those supersets so that might mean that you don't complete the full gym session exactly how it's written when you go in but what you do is you choose an upper body machine and a lower body machine that you have used before you feel comfortable using them you go onto those to start your workout so that might be i don't know four sets of 12 on the leg press four sets of 12 on the lat pull down because they're ones that you're comfortable on 
and then you're like you've you've pre-planned you've already looked through the workout and you've identified a superset that you're going to try out that day so this this might sound like small and it might sound like it'll take a little bit of time to build up but that's that's the key here is that you're gradually building up your confidence if you don't feel fully confident going into the entire workout straight away so pick couple of things that you know you're really comfortable with doing do them to begin with to kind of get yourself warmed up I'm not even looking at the comments because I can see Sarah laughing um I'm not getting distracted from answering the question I'm being very professional um and <laughs> she's disappeared now this isn't good <laughs> also I'm not laughing at this question I'm laughing at Sarah laughing at the chat that's going on which I'm not looking at <laughs> But anyway, this is my very clumsy way of saying do something that you're comfortable with to begin with and then pick one of the supersets in the workout to kind of force yourself to go and give it a shot with anyway. You're not there to get it perfect. You're not there to absolutely smash a PB. You're there to try it out and try something new and then pick a different one the next time and gradually you'll get more accustomed to these, those supersets. <laughs> what What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh no we're talking about pull throughs oh gosh do you know what? i was doing well and then i've just come <laughs> oh, we've lost sarah i'm so sorry i'm so sorry we said it was good that we could see the chat i'm now i'm now not so sure i think People... what you said there is like a really useful way of approaching it almost looking at working those supersets in Another option could also be to break down the supersets. So maybe do those exercises individually as opposed to doing them as supersets. If you, until you kind of get comfortable with doing that individual exercise and where it is kind of logistically in the gym. But if you do do that, I'd just be mindful that the time in terms of completing the workouts might be slightly longer. So it might be that you want to reduce the amount of sets that you complete until you get used to it. And then you want to kind of superset them up a little bit. Yeah. You've got a few different options there. Um, but let us know how, like, keep us posted on how you're getting on. Let us know in the group when you've tried a new superset. Like, come into the group and celebrate that. And we'll celebrate it with you as well. And then there's that like positive reinforcement of you Massive. doing this thing, taking it off and celebrating it. Like make a point of being like, I did something new in the gym today, or I did the superset that I was like actually quite nervous about doing. That way you're giving yourself a pat on the back. You're going to do it again. And you're making a thing of it because it is a big deal. And it's like, it's really good that you're trying it. And I love that you've asked the question or, you know, bought it up in your check-in and we've had the chance to talk about it to help you out absolutely and i think it is celebrating that as we said really give yourself a pat on the back for doing that and i think even look back to how you felt that first time when you went into the gym you know after being a home workout person to then go step into that gym and that feeling of how that must have felt at the time and maybe how that feels now and sort of how far you've come with that i think can be a good reminder of okay like it might feel a little bit uneasy at first but it will get easier and we are definitely all backing you and celebrating that as well because it's it is awesome dawn saying i feel a little green eye of uh, green eyed of someone just starting in the gym it's so exciting it is exciting because there's so much potential um and you can make so many 
gains in terms of like increasing your weights and there's so many new things to explore i think once you've been training in the gym for a while and you've done all these exercises for a long time it's still it's still really fun and it's still enjoyable but i think yeah there's the uh the excitement of of the new the newness of it um so whilst it, it's you know it's nerve-wracking at the same time you can you can hold space for it also being exciting definitely yeah great shall we move on to the next question <laughs> you guys laughing at uh what was it i just feel filthy the yeah group. i feel like i just have to type something to get a certain line off my screen because it's it keeps distracting me but i'll do that in a moment can i use a hex bar for deadlifts or should it be a normal one and or what's the difference in the two and why so yeah there is a bit of a difference between using a normal barbell for deadlifts and versus using a hex bar for deadlifts i think like kind of one of the first things that comes to mind for me is that with a hex bar, depending on which way around you use it, you can um, elevate the handle height. So essentially you're you're pulling the weight off the floor from a little bit higher up starting position. So that can be quite useful for someone who potentially doesn't have the flexibility to reach that far down or um, has a back injury where they maybe need to start a little bit higher up with the movement. So instead of having to put like a bar on blocks, you use a hex bar with the handles at the top, like the protruding handles at the top. Protruding, that's a horrible word, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it's one of the days today, pal. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that if you look at kind of where the weight is in relation to your body position, when you're doing a barbell deadlift with a standard barbell, you think about the weight and the discs are kind of in the, in front of your body right they're kind of forward to the center of your gravity whereas if you're using a hex bar the weights are central and they're like in line with the center of your gravity the center of gravity for you so in that sense it kind of works like there's a little bit of a difference in the muscles that it's going to be working mm -hmm. like i would say that like a hex bar deadlift would be using quadricep muscles more than um, a conventional barbell deadlift would be um, yeah what do you what do you have to add on to that Sarah can I feel like you covered that fantastically see to the Why, kizzle thank you yeah I always think of the hex bar deadlift or the trap bar as we were just having yeah. a chat about in the chat there as almost like more of a squat type pattern as opposed to like the conventional deadlift but in terms of can you use the hex bar for deadlifts absolutely go with what feels most comfortable for you and if that feels like a more comfortable position because it's maybe putting slightly less pressure on your back or just even how you're gripping that feels more comfortable for you then absolutely use the hex bar over the conventional one there's there's no problem with that at all as Catherine said like the emphasis in terms of where you might feel that movement more will vary whether you use the hex bar or the conventional bar but to be honest in terms of the program as long as you're choosing one of those that you feel most comfortable with and you're happy using it for us that's the most important thing really totally there's i suppose like you'd need to consider as well that most hex bars are a little bit heavier than a standard 
20 kilo or 15 kilo um barbell like i don't know how much a lot of them weigh like 25 maybe more i think a lot of them are heavier than a 20 kilo bar so sometimes like actually getting it out of the barbell rack mm. or the, the barbell stand actually onto the floor can be a bit of a mission um but if you feel comfortable doing that then that's absolutely fine do you know what that's like really difficult even with a barbell when you're quite short <laughs> trying to lift that out of the rack is is really difficult I did are you just looking have up look the weight yeah one the first one that popped up was like 30 kg um, okay so yeah i think again the another one was like 25 so it's a bit like when you go to use the easy curl bars they're mm. always like slightly different weights so yeah just being mindful of that it might be then you just you know how gym maths is usually add on the bar you might have to do non-gym maths and just add up the plates yeah forget about the bar and then be like why can't yeah. i lift this <laughs> oh, it's a whole 10 kilos heavier than you think yeah it's so true so true so we ha we do have another gym question is there an exercise which will effectively substitute V-sit rotations? The layout of my gym means I can't superset these with walking lunges. Can something on the cable machine be done? I think my suggestion actually in the group there was um, trying like a pal of press. Um, there's loads of others. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorites, I mean, if you're doing a rotation exercise I'd, I'd probably be doing like cable rotations or like wood chops or something like mm -hmm. that love those with a cable machine probably one yeah one of my more favorite abs exercises actually yeah if you were if you were substituting so your v-sit um like oblique twist is a rotation exercise so i think actually you know substituting it for another rotation exercise as opposed to anti-rotation would be best so the pal of press is an anti-rotation core exercise so actually I, yeah i would maybe opt for what sarah's in fact i would opt for what sarah's suggested like a wood chop or a cable cable rotation even just thinking there like i mean v-sit rotations there that sounds evil but even something like hanging oblique knee raises or something mm. might be quite a good substitution as well so usually that can be done on a cable machine because they usually have the i'm doing the actions for anyone watching <laughs> but anyone listening the actions are happening too but they usually have the handles at the top that you can hang from so that's always an option as well mm -hmm. oh double grip because you've got your walking lunges and then the oh if yeah. you have some straps use some utilize some straps with your lunges yeah definitely i'm just yeah there's quite a few that are popping in my head but i'd probably go for the the easier one to probably do would be cable rotations or wood chops nice amazing me again this isn't necessarily the person who asked the Hello. last question by the way but i'm not sure where i've heard this do wall sits help with knee pain sometimes after leg extensions my knees feel a bit funny wow do you know what i had this same thing a few years back when I was having knee problems, but I think it was the leg extensions were almost like the straw of that broke the camel's back. My knee did not break, but you know, as in like that was where I was really noticing it because I was doing sort of drop sets. And 
I think the answer to this is going to be it depends because it depends what's causing the knee pain in the first place. Like obviously wall sits can help to strengthen the quads, which help to stabilize the knee, but it really depends what's causing that knee pain in the first place. And it might be something that if you're noticing that your knee is feeling a bit funny and it's a bit niggly, maybe to get it checked out by a physio and just see what, exercises are going to strengthen the parts that are kind of causing that knee pain for you but on the flip side also just checking in with leg extensions that the weights aren't too heavy you're not kind of straining through those reps either that that might be what's causing that niggle if you're only noticing it on that exercise but they're probably the first like the main things I would say the other thing I would make sure you're doing when you're using the seated leg extension machine is that you have it set up correctly. Um, so when I say that, um, the next time you jump onto the leg extension machine or the seated leg curl machine is make sure that your knee is in line with the pivot point on the machine. And usually the pivot point will be the bit of machinery kind of that's in line with your knee on the inside of the machine and it's usually a different color mm. on the machine like the one that i go to it's like a little red kind of point and it's like the point at which the the weight rotates around the axis and you want that to be in line with your knee joint so if you're noticing that for example your knee is really far forward to that it will mean that you need to bring the seat back and vice versa. If your knee is really far back, it's going to be putting a lot of pressure through the knee incorrectly, which means you might need to bring the seat further forward. Um, so have a little play around with the seat positioning. You can even send us like a little photo of your setup. You know, just sit down on the leg extension machine, take a photo of where your knee is in relation to that pivot point. Um, we could even put like a little picture up in the group and highlight where the pivot point is on like a typical leg extension machine but i would like i would encourage kind of everybody who's using the leg extension machine just to have a little kind of audit of their setup on it and make sure that they're not too far back or too far forwards i don't know why i had to actually do the action there everyone on the who's listening to this instead of watching is really missing out because there's a lot of actions going on today <laughs> i think that's such a good point though about that machine in general making sure you're lined up with the pivot point that's that's um gym instructing 101 right there lining up with the pivot point but it's such a good point if you're not in the right position that could be causing a bit of that knee niggle as well mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking like in terms of like a a wall set it might just be that the wall sit feels a bit more comfortable if you get knee pain doing dynamic exercises like lunges and squats and leg extensions because your your knee joint is staying at the same angle for the entirety of the exercise. It's an isometric hold. So your muscles aren't lengthening or shortening under tension. They're staying the same length and your knee angle is staying the same the entire time you're holding that wall sit. So sometimes that might feel a little bit more comfortable for you if you have knee pain. I mean, this is me kind of like putting a generalized assumption out there i think the point that sarah made at the very beginning is it's going to vary depending on you it's going to be different from person to person depending on the cause of their knee pain i think if it's something that you're experiencing regularly and it's you know getting in the way of you doing things then a good idea would be to see a physio because we, we aren't like injury specialists so what we don't want to do is like make it worse by telling you to do exercises that are potentially going to aggravate yeah, the, the knees. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I could sit here and say, this is what I was told to do, but that was based on where I was experiencing my knee pain and the diagnosis that I got based on that. So that's not going to necessarily be beneficial for you. So yeah, just something to be mindful of. And as Catherine says, if it persists, then maybe have a look at getting it checked out. Checking it out. So final question we have, I have been pondering when my kids were young, once they were in bed, I'd sit, relax in front of TV and have snacks. So would this be a habit rather than emotional eating? Bit like a reward for getting through the day. I guess my question is, if you eat out of habit, is that the same as emotional eating? If it has become a habit, you just change the habit. Introduce a rule of only eat sat at a table. Hope this makes some sense. It makes perfect sense. It does indeed. <laughs> oh, Sarah's away to cough. Do you want me to start on this one? Yeah, go ahead, C to the K. <laughs> S to the sizzle. That's not, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, if you look back at the first workshop that we did, we were we were talking about I suppose different um, reasons that people might use emotional eating or might do the action of emotionally eating and one of those things was it being like a reward or actually being associated with something positive it doesn't necessarily have to be associated with any negative feelings we're also talking about how it might it might revolve around you know like social situations and traditions and things and um you know birthdays for example celebrations it's not always necessarily linked to something that's negative again it might be I've got to the end of a really busy day and I'm going to reward myself by eating this food that I really enjoy I think like you you also bring up a really good point there of it maybe initially you started doing that because it was a, a response to a certain trigger and like that was your way of of dealing with those emotions but now it might be something that's just more habitual you just gotten used to it it's something that you just do in the evenings or sometimes it might be habitual and sometimes it might be to help you to deal with emotions so it's it's not quite like as black and white as it, it either is habitual or it, it it isn't um but yeah that would be kind of the I, I think it's great that you're like exploring, you're kind of recognizing these things. Oh, I actually used to do that. And I wonder if it was linked with emotional eating or whether it was habitual. I think that's great that you are ex exploring that. And that was the whole point of the, of the first workshop was to like observe. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, completely agree with everything you've said there. Definitely. And I, I just love the exploration, as you said, about since watching the workshop of how that's then making you question what's going on for you and where this might relate to you as well and as Catherine said yeah we might end up forming habits based on emotional eating originally and um, I guess the other part of this question was if it is like out of a habit can you just change the habit and I'd say yes but almost like everything else, it isn't always just, oh, I'll just change that then. Because again, a habit is something mm -hmm. we might build up over time and it's been reinforced. That's how it becomes a habit. So we have that certain trigger or that certain cue that then will 
cause us to like partake in that habit. So as you said, it might be once the kids have gone to bed or maybe it's something like we always go to the fridge after we get home from work. So that might not necessarily be driven by emotion, but it will be dri driven by that cue of, okay, I've walked in the door, this is usually what I do. And by taking that moment to kind of pause and reflect and notice, oh, that's interesting, maybe this is more of a habit, that in itself might be enough then to go, I, I don't need to do that anymore, that habit's not serving me. And that might be enough. But for other habits or for other people, maybe looking at changing up your routine slightly can be quite helpful. So if it is something that's quite habitual, then, you know, when I get home from work, can I go upstairs and get changed? So I'm going to change my routine of what I would usually do. So I don't instinctively go to the fridge or after I've put the kids to bed, can I go and have a bath? or something else that maybe is going to change up that routine. So you mentioned about sort of setting yourself maybe like a rule of only eating at a table. Again, rules and boundaries like that can be really helpful for that like pattern interrupt that we get into that like habit loop because it can make us a little bit more mindful. So yeah, if you find that you always have that food in the evening out of habit, and it's sat in front of the TV. Okay, well, what if I decide if I do want that food, I'm going to eat at the table? Does that make you a little bit more mindful of it? And you say, actually, I'm not hungry for this. So I don't need to do that. It's not a habit that I want to continue engaging in. So yeah, having those rules and kind of boundaries can be a helpful kind of like habit interrupt as well. Mm -hmm. Love that. And the next workshop you'll find, or this person that's asked this question will find really useful because it's about the pause and we are including some mindful eating habits within there or mindfulness habits within there things that you can actually go away and start practicing to start to think about changing these behaviors and then the workshop following that we will look at like replacing so that's more about actually then changing the actions that you're going that you usually take um so it's kind of looking at these little things a step at a time and getting closer to that um, actually changing of the habit um, but it's important that yeah we don't skip each step I suppose in the in the build-up to the replacing you know it's important that we create the foundations there which was the observation the pause and then the replace and then the continuing to practice all these different things that we're that we're learning um, yeah awesome looking forward to workshop yeah. number two on Tuesday me too Whoop, whoop. um that's all the questions isn't it that is all the questions yeah what? back to yeah. our check-ins because it's the first week of check-ins for the new round of empowered in eight so very excited about that mm -hmm. me too very very excited i thought you'd pause then because you were like <laughs> i was just i was just like are you excited are we both excited what's going on sharon says thanks coaches sorry about the distractions god it's like um you know, at school, if you'd started laughing at something with one of your mates and then the teacher told you off for laughing, you just couldn't stop laughing. And it was so bad. probably one of the hardest things you can ever encounter in life is to try and stop laughing when you just you just can't. Uh, I call it the library laugh, almost like when you know you need to be quiet, but you can't be quiet. And so it just makes it even funnier because you know you were supposed to 
like okay I've got to be serious but all it is is like pinballing around in your head like don't laugh don't laugh and you just can't help it don't do it don't do it oh yeah the football's on this evening um England women Noise. versus Australia Australia Austria Austria awesome. maybe Woohoo! Um, are you up to anything fun this weekend? Check-ins. And when I say fun, that that is your version of fun, not anybody else's version of fun. I was trying to think what I am doing this weekend, and I feel like I'm going to offend someone because oh no, actually no, I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow. That's that's not fun, but that's it'll really it'll make this look better, so that's good. Yeah, How I've about you? A long time. Uh watching the football this evening and I think Hannah and I are going around to her parents tomorrow to see our wee niece so that'd be oh, nice nice and then chill out so be good that your haircut chat reminded me I keep getting text messages from my hairdresser being like we've not seen you in a while and I'm oh, like man. I know <laughs> Leave me alone. Love- oh I'd hate to be harassed by mine that would be like leave me alone it's like when we were saying in the group about how your apple watch just kicks you like while you're down it's a bit like that it's like please what just are you trying stop. to say I, I know i've got like split ends just leave me alone <laughs> oh gosh maybe it'll prompt me into taking action anywho have a delightful rest of the day it was Thanks lovely for joining to see- us everyone yeah thank you so much and if you do listen to the podcast and you're not already on empowered in eight we would love it if you could follow the podcast if you don't already rate the podcast if you haven't already or just share it with somebody that you think it's going to help because we just love helping people and having impact a positive impact is one of the many things that we love doing agreed and yeah very much enjoyed the chat in the pod during the podcast today as well so distractions were welcome thanks guys Have a lovely weekend. Bye. Have a lovely one. Bye.